Amen. All right, church. What's up? So, my name is Kevin. As Billy said, I'm the college pastor here at Antioch Community Church. And, you know, you probably see me giving a lot of the announcements and kind of the small talks. Uh, but this morning, they have entrusted me for a somewhat longer talk. Uh, so, I'm, I'm excited. Don't worry, I won't go too long. And my college students know I can go on for a bit. But I got my timer, so I'll be sure to, to keep an eye on that. So for those that don't know, uh, my name is Kevin. Also, I have my amazing wife here, Hope, in the front. And I have a couple of photos I'd love to show you to show you guys just what we get to live with every day. So this is uh, a photo of my children. Uh, this is actually only two of the three. So this is Maranatha Grace that I'm holding, Rayma Truth uh, in my wife's hands. They are twin daughters. They're two and a half. They are beautiful. They are fun and fiery. And then the solo shot of my newest member of the family is Mr. Banner Bright. So that's my son. I got a son, two girls, one girl, uh, one boy, uh, and he is just a stud. He's massive. He is so cute and really just a happy baby. Uh, I feel like I just can stare at him and he'll just start laughing and giggling. And uh, so that's my family. Um, and, you know, I've had the privilege of coming on staff full time this past January. The last five years, I actually had been working for our local city uh, with the fire department for five years, and then now I'm here. And uh, I would have it no way, no other way. Uh, I've actually been a part of this community since 2012, which feels long ago, uh, but it's been such a, a blessing to be a part of this house and a part of this family. And so um, I am even more grateful to not just be preaching this morning, but I'm actually getting to kick off uh, our Easter series. So I know, it's like, wow, Easter is not even here. I, I know, I'm aware, uh, but I get the privilege of just getting, getting us kicked off. And so our new series and what it's called is Author and Finisher, all right? So I love this title. I love this, this phrase. I really do. It, it really helps me in what I was preparing for this morning uh, and what I feel like the Lord was highlighting in just this story of humanity, the story of mankind, the story of you and I in this life. Um, and how we know that Jesus was uh, in the beginning, and the word, you know, the be in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. Jesus was there from the beginning. Uh, he is still unfolding and writing the story, and so uh, that's our Easter series. It may not sound very Easter-y, and that's okay. Uh, we will be focusing on still Palm Sunday next week, and then Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday. So, um, really excited for the series to come. And so really what I get to kick off with, I don't really have, I guess, a, a title, uh, but what I was tasked with is really getting us to look through the lens of the disciples. Uh, that is my heart for this morning as best as possible. I'm sure there's some, a lot smarter history buffs in here, uh, a lot more theologians in here, but I really tried just with the word of God, but with supplemental uh, writings just to really put myself uh, in the, the, what the, the disciples would have been feeling, what they might have been expecting, and what they would have, really would have been putting their hope in, uh, in, the, in the days and in, in the week leading up to uh, what we know to be the Holy Week, what we know to be Passover, uh, the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So um, I'll be honest, whether it be like the type A in me or the Enneagram A in me, it was really hard to prep for something and not have like extracted like a practical take-home obedient piece. Uh, a lot of it's going to be kind of like heart posture, 
which is hard for me, uh, but also just like hopefully just like pulling something from deep within all of us, because I'd argue if you're here, uh, you have placed a value on the local church, but you've placed a value on just Jesus. Yeah. And so I'm hoping to just maybe pull some of those things up as we get ready for Easter uh, and really just for the rest of our lives. I am big on just not just these seasonal moments, but for us as we have been given breath to run this race with endurance, but run it with, with fervor and zeal. And so um, that's what I'm hoping uh, that I can do as we look at Jesus and even his methodology and how he lived his life, how he loved people, how he served people, uh, and how he uh, just embodied sacrifice. Uh, and so, like I said, hoping to really get us from the lens of the disciples. And so I have a, a quick clip we're going to play, a little disclaimer. Uh, this clip, you may be like watching it and be like, okay, what's the point? Well, really just the point is I'm trying to get us there. Even like historically, uh, I am not a historian, nor did I go to school for history. Uh, but I, I really just want to like put us in this place to where you'll see Jesus riding in on the colt of a donkey and really just like what it would have felt like to be in the streets, be among the people, the Jews, in this anticipated excitement uh, for Jesus coming into Jerusalem. So if we could play that real quick. morning. Pray over our hearts and minds and ears as we listen, and not just to what I have to say, but Lord, what I believe that you have had uh, put on my heart for us to hear. So Holy Spirit, come. Would you just speak through me and just help us understand and grow in our greater appreciation for your son, Jesus, and what he did for each and every one of us in this room, and for each and every one of your children that yet have to call you Savior and King. We love you, Lord. Amen. Okay, so if you, you know, know anything of the Bible, you probably know of what that video kind of depicted, which was uh, what the story I'll be really trying to focus in on uh, today. But I, I loved even that question of like, who is this? 
right? I mean, again, I, I'm going to try my best to go through what they would have been knowing and believing of what the Messiah was to look like. Uh, but just that question of, of who is this, uh, because I'd argue that, that this picture of what they thought the king of the Jews to look like and to, to how he was going to come in uh, was maybe not really what they had fully been expecting uh, in his uh, entrance into Jerusalem. And so like I said, I, my hope and prayer for this morning has been that it would just prime our hearts for Easter. It would prime our hearts for this season that is such a great and awesome tradition and time for us to celebrate uh, but it also just wouldn't be another Easter. Uh, you know, it'd be one that we would be excited for, and I'm not condemning the bunny and the eggs, uh, but I'm just saying that this, this time that I've been given, I, I've really even personally grown in this last week of, of just the uniqueness, but the beauty of this story of what Jesus did and how he did it, how he would meet hostility with humility, but also how he'd meet power uh, with peace as we know him to be the Prince of Peace. And so that is my hope for this morning. Uh, and I'm just excited to get to share that with y'all. So we're going to start, don't worry, with, with the Bible. So we're going to go uh, first to John 12, 12 through 16. I'm going to be moving somewhat fast. So if you can't keep up, I apologize. Uh, but it'll be on the screen. So either flip or scroll. And I'll start with the triumphal entry of John says, the next day, a great multitude that had come to the feast, when they had heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it, as it is written, fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. So for those of you that know, we'll get to it next, but what they're referring to is in the writing of, of Zechariah, uh, which we'll get to next. But this was one of the parts that I felt inspired to start was we, we, would, we would know that the disciples would have known these passages, right? They would have, I mean, conscripted them into, by memory into their hearts, into their minds to know what this would have looked like. And so let me kind of also preface this. It is impossible for me to do justice, the amount of scriptures written and prophecies, promises, for, for us to really get in there. I would have to go for, to years of school. Uh, but my hope is I pulled a few passages from the Old Testament just to really kind of get us in that setting, not just visually, hopefully a little bit of your emotions, but, but also like scripturally of like what they would have known and believed uh, into what this king uh, of the Jews, the Messiah to be. So let's go to Zechariah 9, and we're gonna read, well, 9 and 10. And what I thought was really neat, I was reading in the New King James Version, and they even broke up verse 9 to be like the first coming of the Messiah, whereas verse 10 uh, was referencing the second coming of the Messiah. So I'll read these two real quick. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the fowl of a donkey. And verse 10 says, I will cut off from the chariot of Ephraim, the horse from Jerusalem, the battle bow shall be cut off. He shall speak peace to the nations. 
His dominion shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. I mean, just that picture alone, it's like he'll cut off uh, uh, the chariot. He'll, you know, cut off the horse from Jerusalem and he will just speak peace to the nations, but his dominion will, will, will be from sea to sea. I mean, this idea of like, wow, like this kingdom, this new uh, dominion, this king coming will reign and it'll overthrow what is existing. Another verse that I couldn't help but, but cling on to was from Psalm 110, just verse one. It's a Psalm of David of the announcement of the Messiah's reign. And it says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Again, what a great like preparation, right? It's like, man, whoever this Messiah is, when he reigns, the enemies around us will be our footstool, which they're no, uh, they're no stranger to an enemy, right? Between whether you have Pharaoh in Egypt, uh, Tiberius, Pilate in Rome, we'll, we'll get to those in a little bit. But again, just that picture of like, man, the enemies would have been made their footstool. That's something, again, just like I believe logged in their brain. Okay, and this last one, now from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 11, we'll just read 10 and 12. Uh, the title of this, I love it, is the restoration of the Messiah's kingdom. In verse 10, it says, And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, who shall stand as a banner to the people, for the Gentiles shall seek him, and his resting place shall be glorious. He says, He will set up a banner for the nations and will assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. So like I said, uh, just between these few passages, I mean, I, I could not with time that y'all would allow me to just go through every prophet, every promise of what the Messiah, um, what they would have known of the Messiah. But I just, as I was sitting there with the Lord, just like, man, this is what they would have felt in their hearts, what they would have known in their minds of what this coming Messiah would have felt and been like and what they would have been expecting. So, one other fun little thing this morning, I am very much uh, a visual person, and so I just couldn't help but draw this out, and so I'm actually going to try something a little bit different. We're going to try a little illustration on the screen, and uh, this is where I'm going to try to get into a little bit of a, a little, not, I don't want to call it a history lesson, because I feel like someone will actually grade me. So just view this as an external process or externalizing with y'all uh, what I feel like the Lord had been walking me in, in this idea of what they would have been seeing in those days leading up to uh, the Passover, but then also as we, what we know, and we'll, we'll talk about in the coming weeks in this series. Uh, but what we would have known at this time period is that Rome was without question uh, the preeminent power uh, during this time where Jesus was born. I think they would have been reigning, don't quote me on this, maybe 60 or 70 years before Jesus was born, but, but Rome would have been the empire um, reigning at that time. So are we up there? Are we ready for me to start drawing? Let's see. Nope, not yet. We'll get there. Look at that. I drew that. No, I didn't. I didn't draw that. I know, right? Someone would be like, wow, that's a great drawer. Uh, but just so remember, so Roman Empire, right, I'll, I'll get my box going. You know, I can actually start. I'll start, and y'all, y'all will catch up with me. Let's just call this, we going? Nope. Roman Empire. I actually, I'm also interactive. Someone tell me who would have been the Roman Emperor at the time. Augustus. Okay, Tiberius. Caesar! Maybe he has different names. Tiberius, Roman Emperor. Under Tiberius, we would have had... 
the prefect, what we would say, reconnect. Here we go. I got it. Next room? Apple TV. Boom. Watch out. Boom. There we go. All right. Also, don't judge my handwriting, okay? It's going to be rough. Okay. So, RE, Roman Empire. We got Tiberius. Under Tiberius, his prefect would have been Pontius Pilate, right? Uh, so we could view him more as the governor of Judea. And, uh, you know, think of Pilate uh, as the guy who essentially would be uh, overseeing Jerusalem specifically. Uh, and so, you know, what, what was unique about all these different writings I would read is they wouldn't actually even be living in Jerusalem. So let's just say Jerusalem is down here. Jerusalem somewhere. All right? So we got Jerusalem down here, but really, I... I already forgot where they'd be residing, but it would not have been in Jerusalem because they felt that Jerusalem was just filled with peasants. It was dirty. It was dusty. And so they would have been residing somewhere uh, far away. And, uh, but what was a standard practice was for the primary ruler, so for Pilate, uh, plus, let's just say his war horse and what he would have been riding, would have made it a practice to actually uh, come down to Jerusalem uh, for these festivities and events. So they know that Passover is coming. And so they would have come down with their cavalry, with all of their soldiers, uh, a war horse. I mean, it would have been a spectacle. And now they weren't visiting because they were wanting to celebrate with the Jews. Uh, more, it was to come and, and reside, but really look over Jerusalem to make sure there'd be no riots, uh, no outbreaks, no violence, which is ironic because how they would enforce this sense of peace was through like brute brutality, strength, and really just fear. Uh, and so this would have been happening in the days leading up to Passover. Uh, it would have been a very standard practice for them. And so just imagine Pilate, again, the disciples would have known uh, for these rulers to come and, and really reside over them and, because they were essentially over the Jews. Yeah. So what also was really unique is then you have, again, I can't get all into it because I'm already running out of time, but let's just call this the Mount of Olives, right? Boom. That's my mountain. I have a better mountain on my forearm, if you want to see it, somewhere right here. So uh, from the Mount of Olives, we would have then had Jesus. So this actually would have been, let's get some context here. Pilate coming to the war horse. This would have been uh, the Western Gate. Okay. Then we would have had Jesus coming. And we know that story, right? He sends his two disciples, go find me a colt. If you don't know a colt, don't worry, I looked it up. Uh, it is a young horse or donkey that had yet to be ridden, right? And so this so-called king of the Jews would be coming in a donkey. Now, it's funny because people know these donkeys to actually resemble like humility and peace. Uh, and uh, something else I learned, I, I guess I could just say it too, is not only... Um, were donkeys, maybe you think of it and you're like, oh, that's kind of silly. Actually, when kings would have taken over and conquered territories, they would have then ridden on a donkey post-conquering uh, because it would, it would emphasize this idea of like, we have come and resided and taken ownership of this place, so now I'm showing my humility and peace that I can ride in a donkey because it's like, it's, it's done. You guys will not, you're not resisting me anymore. So again, now you're seeing this, they're with Jesus. He's coming in with the donkey. They would have been coming into by the Eastern gate. 
And so again, you're probably wondering, why am I doing this? But this is how, when I was sitting with the Lord, I mean, you would have said that this looked like some really uh, planned political demonstration, right? You have on one side, uh, these worldly uh, men, kings, emperor, kingdoms that are saying, okay, with power and brute strength, we're actually going to be traveling down to visit Jerusalem. Whereas you have, uh, who is saying the king of the Jews, uh, but is coming in without a cavalry of soldiers and army, uh, but coming in lowly on a donkey uh, with his disciples. And I mean, just, uh oh, this is not my iPad. Whoops. That's doing so good. So, again, you would have seen it as like, wow, here we go. Here's the throwdown in Jerusalem. It's going down, right? It's like, okay, we got our king. We got our guy. We've been walking with him for three years. Yes, he does things a little unconventionally. Yeah, he hangs out with people that I probably don't prefer to hang out with. But hey, he picked me. And so I, you know, I can trust uh, and have my faith in that he'll be faithful to these things. But what we are reading in those pre- previous passages is what kind of king would have been reigning, right? I mean, they had their example of King David, who during that time, you could say the Israelites, the Jewish people, they like were at the peak of their, their existence under David. So you have to be understand, man, that's what our forefathers knew. It's gonna be so much better when they are made our footstools and we're coming in. Jesus is coming in. It's gonna be great. And, and I would say one passage that really made me think of that, because on one hand, you have this like peasant procession coming in while at the same time, this like imperial procession coming in from the West. So it's like from the East, from the West, they're coming in to, to meet and collide. And these two kingdoms are gonna hit what, what is going to happen? Yeah. Again, I didn't give it to our AV people, but uh, Matthew 16, this is just one of the accounts, uh, but you see where Peter confesses Jesus is Christ, which I love Peter, man. He could get it so right, but he could also get it so wrong. So I'm not going to read it all, but you should go look at Matthew 16, 13, verse, uh, verses 13 to 23. And this is where Jesus is saying, uh, who do they say the son of God is, the son of man? And Peter so eloquently uh, replies, he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And what does Jesus say? He says, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter on this rock. I'll bid my church. And he goes on and on to just claim this identity and promise over him. And he just says like, you got it. You understand who I am, but what happens next, Right? Peter would have known of these stories, known of these prophecies, known of these these promises of what the Messiah would have been. And very quickly, the story changes where Jesus starts to foretell of his death and resurrection. Verse 21 says, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and not combat Pilate and and Rome and their soldiers with, with brute strength and with the Calvary, but he says, and I will suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. He doesn't even end there. He says, and on that third day, I'd be raised. (laughs) What does Peter say? Peter then takes him aside and begins to rebuke Jesus. (laughs) It's probably mistake number one. Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Can we just say, I'm not trying to make fun of Peter, but 
I'm so glad he was wrong. Because Jesus' quick and I'm sure stern response was get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. So Peter in this moment, again, would have had this hope and expectation of what this story should have unfolded like. He would have had these moments of like, but, but you're the Messiah. You're the one we've studied. You're the one that I've now walked with. I know you've done it unconventionally, but like this is the time. Like it's now. We're, we're riding in from the east. Like it, it's go time, Jesus. Like what do you mean? I, I, don't, I don't blame him to be like ignorant or just full of like emotion. I believe there was history in his heart of like, this is what we've been believing for. But he says, get behind me because you are a hindrance to what I came here to do. Y'all, Jesus was such a counter-cultural person. He did things in a way that I'm just so grateful for. Yeah. I, uh, again, as I've been like trying to really put myself where the disciples were, I, uh, I'm sure a lot of you have seen that, that movie, The Passion of the Christ, and which is such a hard and difficult, but like amazing film to uh, take in. And, you know, there's this phrase, it's like a 20 second clip from that movie. But it's where Pilate, uh, you know, you can tell the kind of the internal struggle. His wife's like, I had a dream of this man. Don't kill him. Pilate's like, uh, I kind of have to maintain this power. Everyone's telling me to. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, he spares him. He says, well, I won't, I won't kill him, but we'll go just, just go beat him up brutally. Right. He comes back and there's this moment in the clip, right. Where Pilate looks to Jesus. He says, I have the power to crucify you or set you free. And Jesus replies, you have no power over me, only what has been given to you from above. And when I think of that picture of, of these two kingdoms, right, colliding, this is what would have been in the mind of Jesus, not just his disciples. Right, we know he's in the garden. He's like, Lord, let this cup pass from me. But if it be your will, like he, he's so submitted to what the father was doing. He, uh, 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 be obedience unto death. Yeah. And that's just what really stirred me uh, this last week as I've been preparing. It's like, Lord, I just want more appreciation, but more understanding of your mindset, of your kingdom yeah. that is not yet finished, right? I, I've been thinking about this and, you know, it wasn't, the problems weren't Pharaoh in Egypt. They, they weren't even Tiberius. Rome, they weren't pilots. That wasn't the problem. It was just sin and death, right? It was Yahweh, King Jesus coming to combat sin and death, not some power. And even, I, I don't, this isn't like a political stunt, but I think of the Israelites, right? They're in bondage for 400 years and would still lose hope in what this Messiah was supposed to be and when it would come. Guys, I would argue, whether you're a Republican or Democrat, I'm going to throw in both, that we feel like we lose hope in just four years. In a cycle of four years, we lose hope. And 
God, are you even hearing my prayers? What, what's happening? I, I, just, I'm, I don't understand. Do you even love us? Are you hearing our cries? Guys, they lasted 400 years going up and down. We can last four years, regardless of what president is in there. I'm not advocating for, I, I'm just saying, as the people of God, there should be a hope and faith in us to know the word of God and know what's been spoken and say, hey, it might be different than what my expectations might be, because I'd argue that's what was the disciple, what they were wrestling with. And Jesus came with a countercultural plan to say, I, I know what the scriptures say, but actually it doesn't just end here. It doesn't end with the, the liberation from Egypt. It doesn't even end with the fall of Rome. It, it, I would argue, doesn't even end with Easter. I'm so grateful for what happened, right? He died, took my sins on the cross. We'll get into it in the coming weeks. But I'm saying this story is still unfolding. We are 2,000 years, and yet he has not come, right? Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. He has not yet come for the second time, so we're still in this story. It's still being written. Why? Because he's coming back. There is hope for us, not just in this room, but there's hope for us to carry to the ends of the earth, right? That's our charge as believers, is to take the gospel, take this message of reconciliation, take this message of resurrection, Guys, my life has been resurrected by the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and I do not take that for granted. But what I was, my prayer is like, I'm not trying to bring a hammer. I'm just saying that it would stir up something in us to not just be these nominal believers, to run through the motions of Easter once again. You are given breath today. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I do not take that for granted, but don't just let another Easter season blow by and then get ready for Christmas advent over and over again the cyclical cycle let it do something let us get into the scriptures but be charged by god y'all can come up if you want and just to stir something in us that we would like not lose hope in what christ has spoken this is what i meant that i i didn't have a huge practical for us this morning I kept arguing with the Lord in my heart of like, how do I just obey this peace? What? And really, I just felt like he was like, would you just let me minister to you and inspire you, not with some motivational talk. I'm not trying to motivate us into be better believers. I'm just saying, as we look into the coming weeks of Easter, would we begin to just get so refocused on what this season represents? It's such rich and beautiful history and tradition that we get to still carry. But it would not just be one that comes and goes, but one that would last until either we go home or he returns. Would y'all just stand up with me this morning, please? I want to thank y'all for just giving me the time to, to share. But that was my hope, was that we would just get just one small glimpse, one little look through what the disciples would have been walking through, what they would have been hoping in, and what they would have been expecting in this picture of Jesus coming in, riding on a donkey. And the irony of that is Jesus was right. I know he was right. But that kingdom of death and sin had been getting ready to get conquered by the cross. When he's coming in with the donkey, it's like, 
it, you don't get it yet. But not only am I going to win this battle right now, I will come back and win the war. I will come back and I will bring peace. I will bring restoration. There will be no more crying, no more hurt. Y'all, it's such a beautiful story. And so that is my prayer, just that this morning, the Lord would grow our appreciation and value for Easter, but just for for the gospel and for what Jesus did 2,000 years ago, but also that, that we would see that we are still in this unfolding story. That you and I, we all are part of this story of, that's being written. That he is coming back. And he also left us his Holy Spirit to endure, to persevere, to have faith, to, uh, to walk out in the Spirit, by the Spirit. Like we have not been left alone. We may not be walking with him in those three years, but the Spirit of God is dwelling in us and inspiring us, is encouraging us, is picking us up. I'd argue is why he says, when I leave, actually it'll be better for you because you'll see greater things happen. I don't know what that looks like, but I wanna be a people, I wanna be a house of the Lord, that when Easter comes around, as we get nearer and nearer to these moments that I think are good, monument of praise, it's good to do things that we can look to and be inspired by, to be remembered by but that it would just govern our day, each and every day. As you wake up and you have a breath of life, you say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that I'm alive and I get to live and walk with you. If I need to just be a light in my workplace, be a light in my classroom, whatever it is, be a light to your children, to your parents back home, I don't know, but my hope is that we would have an appreciation of how Jesus lived. He met hostility with such beautiful humility. He met powers with such peace because he was the Prince of Peace. So Father God, I just thank you for this morning. I'm so grateful for just this opportunity you've given me, but really just this opportunity you've given us to just even get a little glimpse of what it would have been like for for the disciples of Jesus. to be just dumbfounded, to be shocked that Christ came, yes, to actually combat the the darkness, to combat the kingdom of darkness, but to come with the kingdom of light. So Lord, this Easter season, would we be a people that just are so excited to worship you, to magnify you, to celebrate you, yes, to play in the park and do the fun things, but that in our heart posture, our appreciation and value for what you've done has just gone deeper and deeper. Lord, I thank you that you are coming back for us. We honor you this morning.